Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. HousingWire Daily examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the HousingWire newsroom. Each afternoon, the HW Digital team provides our listeners with a deeper look into the stories that are helping move markets forward. Hosted and produced by Alcina Lloyd and Victoria Wickham. And now, here's our host. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk. I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Hi, listeners. As we inch closer to the new year, we are going to rerun some of your favorite Housing Wire podcast episodes of the year. Today, we'll start with a housing news podcast interview that features Frank Notaft, the chief economist at CoreLogic. In this interview, Notaf discusses how the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted the housing market's vitality as well as the economy. Notably, Notaft also offers his housing market predictions for 2021. But before we listen, here's a brief word on Housing Wire's newest podcast. They say money talks, so why can't we? HousingWire is thrilled to introduce its newest podcast, Girl Funds, a show where we give you our two cents on money. We love to talk with our girlfriends about everything, except our finances. We're here to bring money back into the conversation, hosted by me, Brenda Nath, along with our editor-in-chief, Sarah Wheeler. Be sure to join us every week starting this Wednesday for our girls' night focused on everything from how to pursue your dream of owning a home to affording your best friend's wedding. Each week, we'll have a special guest join us as we intertwine finance and friendship. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HousingWire. And for today's episode of the Housing News Podcast, I'm speaking with Frank Notaft, the Chief Economist for CoreLogic. Frank has been at CoreLogic for six years, and before that, he was the Vice President and Chief Economist at Freddie Mac. He's also served as an economist for the Board of Governors for the Federal Reserve System. Frank, we're really excited to have you on the podcast today and uh, can't wait to dive into the subject. Well, me too, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me today. It's going to be great. So, um, you know, 2020, what a year. (laughs) What what can we say as it's winding down, except we're happy that it's going away. Um, But from from your perspective, what has been, you know, the most surprising aspect of the economy's performance during this pandemic? And first of all, I second your comments. I'm I'm glad this year is winding down. (laughs) Gosh, it has truly been unprecedented in so many different dimensions. And in fact, that's probably an underused word uh, to describe uh, 2020. Uh, And, you know, when I just think about the impacts on the economy, the housing and mortgage markets, where we were pre-pandemic in January and February before the pandemic hit, gosh, you know, it's, it's just been incredible how much has changed. You know, back in February, the unemployment rate was at a 50-year low of 3.5% here in the United States. And in just two short months, it hit an 80-year 
high of 14.7% in the month of April. We lost over 20 million uh, jobs in just two months. It's truly unprecedented. And as you know, uh, the economy contracted substantially through the job loss, but the fact that people stopped going to restaurants and retail shops and stopped spending money that way. Uh, and as a consequence, the economy contracted by 33% at an annual rate during the second quarter. Again, totally unprecedented. And you know, these are magnitudes you can't even really model or try to forecast uh, uh, you know, what's going to happen. Uh, but likewise, while things look really pretty uh, dour uh, in, the, in the spring, it's, it's been impressive how well the economy has actually rebounded. And, if, and again, there's still a lot of hurt that's out there. There's a lot of families experiencing financial stress, but, but gosh, you know, the economy has actually rebounded a, a lot better than I think any of us had thought. When I, when I look back six months ago, I, I was concerned that we might still see double digit unemployment here at the end of, uh, of 2020. Uh, but that's not going to happen. It, uh, the economy has really created lots of jobs. We lost 20 million, but 12 million of those jobs have already come back. So, uh, you know, and we've, we've seen the unemployment rate come, come way, way down, uh, still higher than it was in February, but um, still it's an impressive rebound. That is impressive. You know, early on, what were some of the indicators you were looking at for how bad things could get? Well, we were looking very closely at the uh, jobs report that was coming from uh, the Labor Department and, of course, at the uh, details uh, in the um, uh, gross domestic product, the GDP uh, accounts that come from the Bureau of Economic Analysis. And a big concern we had was the big drop in uh, uh, personal consumption expenditures uh, because that, and it's not surprising, you know, given how much uh, um, uh, uh, how much of a loss there was in retail sales and how much of a decline in uh, restaurant uh, sales. So it wasn't surprising once you took a look at what happened in the retail and uh, food service sectors, but still it, it was really uh, unprecedented. And of course I carried through to the labor market numbers where we saw just wide scale uh, layoffs in certain occupations and in certain industries. Um, certainly travel has been impacted a great deal and it's not just uh, air travel, uh, but it's even on uh, uh, railroads and um, uh, you know, uh, 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 cruise, uh, cruise lines as well uh, with everyone uh, uh, either sheltering in place or being, uh, uh, or, or at least that's the recommendation <laughs> from right. the health policy <laughs> experts to shelter in place as much as, as possible um, uh, over the last several months. You know, when you look at that, you know, you're talking about job losses and there were so many. And then, you know, I look at uh, a job like mine, which is I'm able to do it remotely. I'm able to do it with technology. And you think even 10 years ago, this kind of event the, the economic impact it would have had is, is just hard to fathom if, if you couldn't have had technology really help out and, and get people to a remote workspace so quickly. Oh, you're absolutely right, Sarah. Gosh, if this had happened 10 or, or 20 years ago, 
uh, where we didn't have the technology to work remotely like uh, so many, uh, many of us can, uh, the uh, effects on the economy would have been even more widespread and more uh, catastrophic. catastrophic. Um, and I know there have been many comparisons made to the, uh, the global pandemic of the Spanish flu 101 years ago or so, uh, but it's really hard to imagine if something like that had, had hit us and we didn't have the technology and the ability to work from home, how real devastating that would have been to uh, so many families and to the economy as a whole. Yeah, I even think, you know, when I when I started covering mortgage, which was in 2013, you know, everything was about, you know, we, we were still dealing with Dodd-Frank and it was all, all about regulation. And then, you know, the last couple of years has been such an, uh, an emphasis on technology and a lot of it because they, you know, our industry had to adapt technology in order to be able to be compliant. Right. So it's just one of those uh, consequences of, of that that maybe we didn't see but I just think wow if, if we were still that paper-based you know industry that so many people think we are I, I just can't even imagine uh, how housing would have suffered too oh yeah that's absolutely right uh, in terms of providing mortgage finance to support uh, housing activity but even on the home sales side technology has just been so valuable in, in helping uh, the home sales market to recover as well. You know, just think about the virtual open houses and the 3D technology that many agents are using in order to market their homes online. We couldn't have done this 10 or 20 years ago. Um, so that's the, and that's the initial part of the home sales uh, process. First, you've got to see the home. <laughs> you've got to sign the contract to buy the home. Then you go and you apply for the mortgage loan uh, to support the, uh, the purchase. Uh, so technology is coming into play in all of these different uh, places. It certainly helps so much in terms of mortgage finance, but it's also helped the um, real estate agents working with uh, you know, home buyers and families in order to get to that very first step of, of getting the home purchase contract signed. It's such a great point, and I think it was one of the things that um, I didn't foresee that people's desire to buy homes during this time would be so strong. I mean, yes, you know, mortgage rates. We're gonna we're gonna talk about mortgage rates here in a minute, but but also just the the you know compulsion people feel because now their home has to be their office and their schooling and their you know and uh, I just I didn't foresee that in the spring. I didn't think, wow, we're gonna have a giant home buying year, you know, because I just didn't I just didn't think about that part of it, but it's been huge. It has been huge. And, um, you know, I also look at consumer confidence. And of course, consumer confidence got whacked in the spring when the pandemic first hit. But it's actually come back pretty well. And, you know, those consumers who have jobs are in a really good position to uh, take the opportunity afforded by record low mortgage rates and jump into the purchase market either as a first time home buyer or as a, a move-up buyer looking for additional space, especially for that work-from-home office or that school-from-home <laughs> room for their kids. Yeah, I, re I really feel for people who are trying to do that school-from-home thing. That is just, um, that's, <laughs> that, that's a challenge right there. I have a bunch of kids, but they're all grown. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I dodged that bullet. 
I, I guess, and we, we did too, yes. Uh, I've got three millennial sons, but fortunately they're all out of school. Yeah, um, you know, when we look at this and we kept saying unprecedented, and it is, but when you looked at the last recession, I mean, were there any lessons from the last recession that were helpful for your models or forecasts this year? Boy, and the last, uh, the Great Recession was just so radically different as well and so atypical for a, a recession here in the, you know, the modern U.S. economy. Um, the Great Recession was one that was triggered by excess uh, uh, lending and deterioration of um, mortgage underwriting uh, practices uh, and a home price bubble that was not just localized, but in so many communities across the United States. Uh, we hadn't seen a, a recession here in the U.S. that was caused by a home price bubble or, or, or a lack of quality mortgage underwriting in the post-World War II period. So it truly was an unprecedented event uh, during the Great Recession. This, this recession is, of course, also totally unprecedented and just completely different in terms of the, the cause of what led to the um, pandemic uh, recession. Uh, mortgage uh, underwriting was, has remained very high quality as it's been for the last decade. Uh, there isn't any national home price bubble uh, here compared to what we saw in 2005 and 2006. Uh, so the causes of the um, uh, recession are just radically different for comparing the Great Recession with the pandemic recession. And both of these are just so different from the typical recession we've had over the last uh, 80 years here in the United States. You know, um, you've, you have been an economist for a long time for, for things like the Federal Reserve and Freddie Mac and now with CoreLogic. Like, is any of your training, I mean, does does pandemic you know, does that come up when you're in school for, I mean, is that one of the, the factors you're even considering ever as an economist when you're looking at things like this? I wouldn't say pandemic uh, per se, but we, we do look at the different shocks, shocks to an economic system, shocks to a particular industry or a market and how that could play out. Um, so we, we've had shocks in the past, for example, spikes in uh, in oil prices, uh, totally unexpected, where oil prices suddenly double or triple in a very short period of time. And that has a big shock on the performance of an economy. Um, so there are events like that. Uh, there are natural hazard events. Those tend to be a little bit more localized, but you could have a, a hurricane, um, earthquake, volcano, wildfire. Um, Unexpected, you don't know when it's going to hit, you don't know where it's going to necessarily hit, but that can be a, a huge economic shock to a, a local community that's affected. Generally, natural hazard events are not nationwide at one point. Uh, they're, they generally impact, a, a, could be a, a rural area, could be a major metro, but it tends to be more localized. So there are events like that that, uh, you know, as economists, we can use our, 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 our tool bag to try to analyze how that impacts a local economy, uh, a, a shock that has come in that, that's really disrupted economic activity. And that's in, in essence what we've had here with the pandemic. Uh, it's a, 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 again, totally unexpected, a, a shock 
that's that's affected the economy, but it's been national in scope. Um, and uh, you know, a very uh, unclear as to how long it would take to um, to, to get out of uh, the pandemic before it either wanes or a vaccine is available. Yeah, I think that's the you know obviously we're still wondering what where's the endpoint. You know, we had no idea um, you know in the spring how long it would go and uh, you know and continues. Right now, let's talk about mortgage rates. You know, we we've written some about Jerome Powell's decision to lower uh, mortgage rates and and just the the really incredible effect that's had, right? Especially for our industry, but even really, you know, to pull out the the whole economy. So so talk a little bit about that. What role do you think mortgage rates are going to play next year in twenty twenty one? Oh yeah, and mortgage rates, as you know, are at a record low. Uh, they're about a percentage point below where they were a year ago. And a year ago, they were really, really low. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, if, if we had been talking, Sarah, you know, a year ago or just prior to the pandemic, uh, you know, I would have said, no, we're not going to see mortgage rates uh, go, go really any lower. Um, below 3%, ha, no way. Yeah, it's impossible. Yet here we are. And of course, it's because of the pandemic recession and the very aggressive steps the Federal Reserve has taken to push down long-term interest rates and to push down mortgage rates in particular. Uh, and that has been just a, a real boon to uh, helping to um, uh, maintain a housing activity here in the United States. That's kind of the one, one really bright spot when we look across the uh, uh, all the different sectors in the U.S. economy. Um, now, with mortgage rates at the current level, and given what uh, Chair Powell has um, has expressed as his, you know, his views about uh, uh, the economy and the steps the Federal Reserve needs to take, I expect we're going to continue to see very low, record low mortgage rates for an extended period of time. Uh, well into 2021, we will see mortgage rates for 30-year fixed rate below 3% as they are today. Um, and we may actually see mortgage rates below 3% perhaps for the entire year of 2021. Um, oh. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this low rate environment continues even beyond 2021. Not necessarily at 2.7, 2.8% necessarily once we get out to 2022, uh, but we are expecting mortgage rates over the next three years to be far less than they've been in the last decade. Uh, so it's really, really an amazing uh, time that we're in. Well, when you, you know, in our, in our industry, you know, you know, happy days are here, you know, when there's, when there's low mortgage rates. And, and obviously we hate, we hate the reason that there are low mortgage rates, but it has been a boon, as you said. But, you know, when you look at the long-term consequences of such an extended low rate environment, you know, what, what is that, does that give you pause? Well, I do expect that that probably means uh, the mortgage is being originated today with uh, a contract rate of 3% or lower will probably have a, a relatively long life. Uh, we probably will not uh, see them coming in to refinance anytime soon. Now, then again, I, I've said this in the past when mortgage rates were higher. <laughs> 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 uh, 
and we, we've seen, uh, you know, seen a, a major refinance boom here in 2020. As you know, 2020 will turn out to be uh, a year where the number of loans refinanced will be the biggest since 2003, the biggest in 17 years. Wow. Uh, but I do think that we are pretty much uh, at the bottom here of the mortgage rate cycle. Um, so the loans that are being originated today and over the last uh, few months, they're probably going to stay on the, on the books for a really extended uh, period of time. Um, again, we're not expecting mortgage rates to spike up anytime in the next year or two. Uh, but still, the, uh, the, the fact that consumers have the um, opportunity to, to get these very low mortgage rates probably means they're going to sit on those mortgages for longer than they otherwise would have. It makes sense to me. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We were, uh, I remember this time last year, of course, we had no idea what was coming, but we were talking about, okay, 2020 is actually going to be the, the, the year where people are going to have to focus on purchase. Refi is going to go away, you know, and I think we said the same thing the year before that. So, you know, <laughs> I'm with you. It's like, I, I'm not going to say anything, obviously, but, um, but yeah, it's just, it is really incredible. I tell you, Sarah, I, I've said the same thing in the last <laughs> year or two that, uh, you know, we're at the at the bottom <laughs> you know, of, of uh, refi volume and refi volume was going to even you know, diminish further and you know, things have just completely turned around. I, I remember when uh, my wife and I got our, our first uh, mortgage, uh, when we were first time home buyers way, way back last millennium, uh, we thought we were so fortunate to get a 30 year fixed rate mortgage at 10.5%. Wow. <laughs> and we thought, gosh, we are so lucky. And the first time we refinanced, we refinanced down to, a, to single digits to 9%. And we said, wow, this is like an unbelievable deal. And, uh, and yet we've been in an environment over the last uh, you know, 20, 30 years where uh, mortgage interest rates, while they fluctuate every single day and they've gone up and down, they generally have been on a downward decline for an extended period of time. Uh, and now we've got a record low level of mortgage rates. And, you know, I remember back in the 70s when people would have like 17%. I mean, it would, it would be like credit card type interest rates for their mortgage, you know, and I just don't think that, I just don't think we could even do that now. I mean, there's just no way. <laughs> no way. <That's> right. <laughs> no way at all. We would all do it. I mean, you know, one of the things that um, that Congress did with the CARES Act is the mortgage forbearance that you know was offered then um, for for mortgage for homeowners, and and those numbers we've been we've been watching. And just the last couple of weeks, they've creeped up just a little bit um, after really months of of going down. I guess since June or July. Um, how concerned are you about forbearance numbers in general? What what are you looking for there? Well, I tell you, the, the forbearance provisions of the CARES Act has been such an important uh, financial crutch for families who've been impacted by the pandemic recession. Uh, and millions of families have been impacted either through direct loss of job or of their business or through the illness that they have contracted. Uh, and without the forbearance program, uh, we would really have seen even greater devastation uh, on, uh, on these families. Uh, they would really be staring at the prospect of, of losing their homes. Uh, and fortunately, the forbearance provisions have really 
been that, that really vital crutch to help them through this really stressful period so they can get back on their feet, get their jobs back, restore their income, put their financial house in order so that once they come to the end of the forbearance period and perhaps have a, a modification of their terms with their servicer, uh, they are in a position to once again make regular monthly payments on their mortgage and be current uh, once again. Now, um, for some of the programs such as the FHA program, um, FHA borrowers need to uh, apply for or say they want, want to be in a forbearance program by the end of this year, by December 31st. So some of the uptick that we may be seeing in some of the recent data maybe some of the uh, lingering impacts of the pandemic recession finally taking a toll on some families. And with that deadline for FHA uh, coming up pretty uh, soon, um, some families are maybe uh, making that choice to reach out to their servicer and sign up for a, um, a forbearance uh, program uh, before the deadline for doing so uh, uh, comes. We're really interested in that, you know, at the end of the year, and then what does that look like as people extend into next year? I think that's that's going to be something to watch. So let's let's talk about your forecast, um, the CoreLogic forecast for the first quarter and the first half of 2021. Well, uh, I'm happy to talk about that, Sarah. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, we're expecting mortgage rates to continue to be at a record low level, well below 3%. Um, and uh, I think that's going to be the case not only at the start of the year, but for most or all of 2021. That's going to be really very important in stimulating uh, home sales and also refinance volume. I'm not expecting refinance volume in 2021 to hit the same numbers that, like we saw here in 2020. Uh, but I, I, I think it's still going to be a pretty strong refinance year. Uh, I actually expect refinance volume in 2021 to be more than in 2019. And we thought there was a lot of refinance in 2019. So I think uh, as 2021 evolves with these very, very low mortgage rates, we're going to see um, uh, refinance volumes come in somewhere between what we saw in 2019 and the big numbers here in 2020. Let me, let me uh, share a fact here uh, with you, uh, Sarah. Uh, we took a look using CoreLogic's True Standings uh, database at the um, contract interest rate of mortgages outstanding here in the United States as of the end of the third quarter. And um, the True Standings database covers roughly about uh, three out of four, or about 75% of all the home mortgages in the United States. What we found uh, was that there was a little over 20 million home mortgages outstanding with a contract interest rate of 4% or higher still in the United States. That's a lot of mortgages, especially when uh, contract interest rates for refis are below 3%. So uh, that's one reason we expect to see still a lot of refinance volume in uh, 2021. 
Now, I mentioned a little over 20 million. We're not expecting 20 million people suddenly to come in and refinance in 2021. Obviously, some of those um, borrowers have had financial hardship and challenges, which will make it difficult for them to come in and refinance if, you, if they've had a current delinquency or in a forbearance program. Uh, it's, it's going to be very difficult to uh, refinance uh, those uh, loans. Some of those um, loans with a high contract interest rate, they may be a very small balance loans as well. So again, we're not expecting 20 million loans to come in <laughs> in 2021. Um, I mentioned that just to say there's still a large pool of um, homeowners out there with relatively high contract interest rates. They haven't been able to come in uh, and refinance yet here in 2020, but they'll still be out there and many of them will be coming in to refinance in 2021. Now on the home sales market, uh, we're actually expecting home sales to uh, be up in 2021 compared to 2020. Now partly it's uh, because of new single family construction. So we'll see um, bigger numbers of new home sales in 2021. Uh, but some of it too is because of existing home sales increasing further. Uh, over, as you know, over the last several months, we've had an acute shortage of existing homes for sale in the United States. Uh, part of that acute shortage of inventory for sale is directly related to the pandemic. Uh, most homeowners are baby boomers or older. In fact, the median age of a owner occupant is 57 years of age in the United States. And as you know, the healthcare uh, policy experts have pointed out that older Americans uh, are at greater risk uh, to the coronavirus and the complications to the coronavirus. And uh, that uh, has um, led to many uh, older homeowners who otherwise might have wanted to list their home for sale in this market to decide to, decide to wait, to postpone listing their home for sale until the pandemic goes away or they are vaccinated and uh, uh, are at, uh, at, less, at less risk. So uh, if a vaccine is widely available by second quarter of 2021 or by mid-year of 2021, I think we will see many of these older homeowners who already were prepared to list their home for sale to come into the market and list, list the home. So the inventory for sale will actually rise when we, when we take a look at what's happening next summer compared to what happened this summer. When we, do, when we see autumn of 2021 compared to autumn of 2020, we will see a larger inventory for sale and that'll help to promote existing home sales, pick them up relative to 2020 Again, because we expect mortgage rates to stay below 3%. So all of that together uh, makes for a pretty strong mortgage origination market in 2021. I, again, not stronger than 2020, but we are expecting pretty strong volumes of refi, less than 2020, but still pretty strong volume, and an increase in home purchase lending because we expect more home sales in 2021. 
you know, you mentioned the vaccine and that to me is, uh, you know, for all of this, right, this is the key because the whole, the whole idea of when do we get back to quote unquote normal, um, it depends on that. But I, I, you know, it makes all the sense in the world that, you know, once people feel safer to list their house, to have people in their house, to go looking for a new house, to do the whole moving process, you know, that's going to open up more inventory, which just seems to be key. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's an acute shortage of homes available for sale, bumping up against that rising demand to buy fueled by record low mortgage rates that has translated into the quickening of home price growth that we've seen in, the, in, the, in all of uh, the latest indices. So at CoreLogic, we just put out our home price index uh, through October. And what we found was that home prices in our national index were up 7.3% uh, compared with the prior October. And we've seen a steady quickening in that growth rate over the last six months. Uh, and in my mind, it's really those two forces coming to play, a shortage of supply and rising demand fueled by record low mortgage rates. So that translates into home price growth. So thinking about home prices for 2021, uh, so the demand side, I think, will continue to be pretty strong, but we are expecting more supply. As long as we see that increase in supply, as we expect in 2021, that should help moderate home price growth in 2021. So we're not expecting another 7.3% increase in national home price index in the next 12 months. No, far from it. We are expecting a moderation. We're expecting home price growth to continue, but probably continue more at about a 2 to 3% uh, increase over the course of 2021 in the national index. Um, and if it turns out that uh, uh, Congress and its infinite wisdom, you know, uh, <laughs> stimulus package finally, uh, <laughs> and enacts a stimulus package that helps to uh, 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 promote even uh, faster economic recovery in 2021, uh, then we actually may see additional, um, uh, you know, a little bit faster home price uh, growth in 2021 than our current forecast has. Interesting. And, you know, of course, home price growth helps on the other end when you think about, you know, you're, you're going to, instead of foreclosing, somebody can sell, right? So. Um, Absolutely. And I tell you, that's been, again, that's been so important uh, this, in, during this pandemic recession, the fact that looking pre-pandemic, we started from a place where homeowners had a record amount of home equity. We see that in the CoreLogic Home Equity Report, that the amount of home equity was at an all-time record high uh, here in the early part of the pandemic. And that's been so important in helping, in my mind, limit the amount of distressed sales that we will ultimately see from um, the uh, pandemic recession. Such a difference from last time. Obviously, the causes are different. The you know, the remedies are different. But um, I, I think that's just such a bright spot. Well, Frank, thank you so much for coming on. We're, we're, it's a pleasure as always to talk with you, especially about something so important as people are are planning for next year. Um, really appreciate you sharing those really specifics about about your forecast and about what you see coming. Oh yeah, thanks so much for having me today, Sarah. It's a, a great to catch up and talk about the market. Wonderful. Thank you so much. We'll talk again soon. Thank you.
trying to get as much information and data as possible as you head into 2021? Well, our premium content membership program, HW Plus, is here to provide you with just that. To close out the year, HW Plus is hosting a 2021 economy series. Not only will you get access to all of their forecasts for 2021, but you will also get access to our HW Plus Slack channel, where we'll be hosting weekly Q&As with these economists, giving you the opportunity to ask your questions directly to them. Sign up for HW Plus today at www.housingware.com backslash membership. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow.